ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neighbors Livecast. I'm Super Dave, aka Mr. Incredible, aka Old Man McBeardy. Today, I'm not for the beard, <laughs> but I'm doing what I got to do uh, for the for the part. But yeah, man, welcome to the Neighbors Livecast. With me, as always, is personal trainer and fitness guru, Miss Fruit Fit herself, Patrice Jones. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Doing great. Doing great. No complaints. That's good. I see you got your, your meals in the background. Yeah, I got a little spiked up a little bit. I'm I'm hungry, so I figured I could look at doing the interview. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> That's the best. Well, we got a great show today because our guest today is the personification of the age-old adage that you can do anything you put your mind to. I've known this dude since Eastern High School, and since then, He's conquered the DMV music scene as president and CEO of HMG Music, bringing out hit makers like DZ Bars and Fat Coogee, among others. And now he has turned his talents to filmmaking, writing, directing, and producing his first feature film, Rise of the Golden Goons. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Aaron Lawson is with us today. Welcome, brother. It's good to have you here. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, neighbors, man. I'm just blessed to be on Neighborish and getting Neighborish with all of you. Um, thanks for tuning in. And um, hopefully y'all can get enlightened and um, I can let y'all know some things. Definitely, man. Definitely. We got a lot to talk about because you've done a lot, bro. So uh, we're going to go through all of the stuff we talked about, the music, the films, and all the other stuff you got popping. But first, there's a few things going on in the city, and the country, and the world that we need to talk about. We're going to talk about it right now. So uh, first, of course, yesterday was uh, Valentine's Day. Uh, Patrice, I know you say you don't really do the holidays, but I know somebody <laughs> that did something for you on Valentine's You ain't getting nothing for Valentine's Day. I, I was, I was um, very happy and very relaxed. And okay. I, 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 I celebrate within. <laughs> right, I know that you, you being kind of secret. I ain't gonna press you. Out. Something happened. You ain't gonna tell. You ain't gotta tell us. Something happened. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, man. So uh, last week we were. Uh, I was having a discussion. Um, you know, with the people watching and with the guests. And I'm gonna ask you guys uh, since you're here about uh, Valentine's Day. Well, first of all, Aaron, did you do anything for for Valentine's Day? Yeah. Um, I normally don't celebrate Valentine's Day. Um, last, I, I normally used to celebrate Valentine's Day with my mother, okay. and um, she passed away about almost three years ago. So, okay. I, I just don't, I don't get um, wrapped up in it um, for real. Um, but um, me and my lady, you know, we ordered in um, out back, and we ate some steak, and we just basically chilled. chilled. Cool. Nothing major. It wasn't like it was the uh it was just a regular day for us for real. Nothing special. You know, I think everybody's coming into this awakening that um, you know, the holidays are like every really every day is a holiday. And you know, I think people are in with this climate that we're in where people are really um awakening to certain truths about you know themselves and about the world i think we are learning to more so to celebrate so much especially with the pandemic celebrate so much every single day so i love what you said you said it's just another day for y'all but y'all were together so that's a 
you know, that's a celebration in and of itself every day. So for sure, for sure. Um, at the end of the day, you know, it's all about togetherness. You know, um, a lot of people they get wrapped up in it on some playerish type stuff. And um only reason I I kind of like never really got into the whole idea of Valentine's Day, because a lot of people can be ungrateful. A lot mm -hmm. of people can, it's like a selfish holiday to me. And I that's why I kind of like strayed away from it from the, from the get-go. Um <laughs> Just people expecting stuff, expectations, and then when things don't go exactly their way, they really show their true colors, stuff like that. So it just was always a big turnoff to me for us to holler. That's actually a real good segue to uh, the question to what I was going to uh, ask you guys about. Like I said, last week we were kind of talking about it, and I was asking everybody, because, um, you know, uh, Valentine's Day is typically go geared toward the female, like, honestly, you know, the flowers, the candy, all that stuff. So um, should men get Valentine's Day gifts? And if so, what's a good gift to give a man on Valentine's Like, what would you want to get, uh, Aaron, on Valentine's Day if you got a gift from a young lady? If I was there, celebrate Valentine's Day. You notice I call it violence times. I, I noticed that. I was like, I'm glad you pointed that out if you're doing it on purpose. <laughs> uh, if I was, the, if I was, the, I would just, you know, it'd be nice to get some, you know, some candy or something like that, some chocolate or something. Pretty much saying stuff that the girl, I don't want no, I don't think I want no teddy bears. Right, right. <laughs> you know, just, just, just the acknowledgement, basically. You know what I mean? Just the acknowledgement and or whatever that you know what I mean. Here's here's a here's a gift from me instead of just always. What did you get me? Give me, right, give right. me. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I just don't like that part. Yeah. So, what about you, Patrice? Would you uh would you get a guy something for Valentine? I know you don't celebrate it, but if he wanted to. Well, so so um, I I think. I think that it's about appreciation. And so, um, so I can tell you, I'll tell you this much. I wrote my guy, I wrote my guy a letter of thanks. And because I think that, um, I just think it's um, important for people to um, realize that men especially need to feel appreciated because you all do so much. Um, not just a woman, you know, so I think, and that goes back to what I said, you know, um, celebrating, um, collecting moments and being there for one another every single day. So, I mean, I think, it, I think it's whether or not a guy should get a gift. I don't really get into that because it, I think it's very worldly. It's a worldly thought process and I'm not there. So I'm somewhere else. So, um, I think that we should appreciate, we should vibe off that we should appreciate each other. I think, you know, that's a whole nother topic, but I think a lot of times in relationships you get, um, it becomes mundane. And so anniversaries, holidays and all that, it's just like, oh, it's just another day, but not like, oh, it's another day for us to love on each other the same way that we do year round. Nah, anniversaries, I hold them dearly. Anniversaries, birthdays, those things like that, yeah. But Valentine's Day, I just nah. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. So yeah, we won't stay on that one too long. Then so um, uh, I want to talk to you. What guys. about you, Super Day? 
Uh, <laughs> you you ducking the question. Who? I'm not ducking it. What the, oh, I got a call coming in. Hold on, let me. No, I'm just, no. <laughs> no I uh, you know I um <laughs> I uh I'm, I'm about to tell her. Yeah, I um uh my uh, young lady. Uh, oh, wait, her, uh, oh wait, she said, wait, wait, are you, are you going to tell them? <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm going to tell her, yeah. I, <laughs> you know, I don't mind. So I, I, I purposely, I, I, you know, I like to set stuff up to make it, you know, uh, special because I work so much. I work the whole day, you know, uh, Saturday and Sunday. So, um, you know, I talked to her on the phone all day yesterday from like, uh, from maybe like seven in the morning till, uh, till, till around six when I go to like the evening job. And so uh, the whole day, I ain't say nothing about Valentine's Day at all. And so I'm like talking to her and noticing her tone getting a little more tense and tense. So uh, uh, by the end of the day, she was, she was feeling some type of way, but um, I went to work, but I uh, slipped out and, uh, you know, ran over there and I gave her some stuff. And so um, a couple of things and she was surprised and happy and, uh, you know, changed that mood up. So it was cool. But, but I mean, it's the same sentiment you guys say, just showing appreciation. And that's always the, uh, the energy I go about it with. You know, I, um, I'm probably leaning more toward not being as into it, but I do, you know, appreciate any opportunity when you with the, when you with the right person, you enjoy any opportunity to show them how much you appreciate who they are and what they are to you. And so I feel like I'm in that situation. So, you know, it's nothing to show some reverence and take take time out of my day to make sure that she's, you know, good and happy. So that's what I did. So uh, it, it was cool. It worked out good. Uh, I didn't get cussed out. So I'm happy. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, uh, so you so you, you, you planned it that way or it just happened after you seen that her vibe had changed? No, no, I, uh, I planned it that way because oh, I, okay, you know, okay. I know how she feel about it. So I you know with she, her heartstrings a little. But no, nah, not really. <laughs> just, just to make the surprise more, uh, you know, the impact more, uh, better, you know. So she, she's like, you know, because I know she was in her mind, like I know this nigga just ain't forget about me completely, you know. Mm. And I ain't say nothing. So. My thing is, did she have anything for you? Yeah, definitely, a hundred percent. Like I said, oh. and and that's one of the reasons that. Um, I feel like she's the right person. It's always that gratitude is always a two-way street. And I appreciate that about her, you know. And so I that's why I definitely felt what you were saying about it not always being um, you know, a one-way thing. And uh when you find somebody that understands that and shows it all the time, it's, it's a cool place. So that's yeah. a red fine man, not to find a woman that's not into herself and selfish, yo. Like that's one of the qualities that I look for first in a woman. Like, she shows those like, what about me? Only me, 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 me. I'm instantly turned off. Like, okay. yo, this is definitely not gonna work. I cannot deal with a selfish-minded person at all. When I go to what I said about how, you know, um, a lot of women don't really believe the brothers need support. They don't show it and they don't know, they don't know how to give it. Like, um, because society pushes this narrative that the woman should have this, 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 and this, and this should be her standards. And she shouldn't dummy them down for lack of a better word for anyone. And so women, people that, women that um, are led by that or allow themselves to be programmed like that, whether it's by social media or friends or their upbringing from their parents or their grandparents, if they vibe like that, 
they're going to exude that. So they're going to, you know, oh, what about me? Oh, that's all you got? Oh, that's it. That's, that's going to be um, their mentality. And that's, that, that, that tells you how, how your next few years or 10 years or lifetime is going to be. Right, right. And you don't even see them advertise men wedding bands on TV. <laughs> don't, like, point, we, yeah. don't, we don't get no nothing, yo. Yeah. There are a such thing as wedding bands for men, but right, you don't right. see it advertised on television. Nah, it's all what about the diamond? diamond for the woman, diamond right, right. for the woman. What, what about my ass? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, and, uh, that whole marketing thing, uh, you know, as Patrice says a lot, that's a whole nother topic we can get deep into, like how yeah. stuff is marketed a certain way to make us feel, you know, and, and, you know, make people react in a certain way. Um, but, but yeah, I want to uh, talk about a couple of other things uh, before we get into this interview. Um, a couple of interesting things happened this weekend. I saw uh, that uh, Dave Chappelle put out a clip. I don't know if you guys saw it from one of his stand-ups that he did recently. Um, it was actually uh, first released on Donnell Rollins' Instagram. Um, well, uh, Chappelle did one of his stand-up shows that he's been doing since the pandemic started. And in the clip, he addressed the news that he himself had uh, COVID. You know, he talked about catching it and how, you know, he said that the COVID caught up with him. You know, his number was up. But uh, but it was what he said after that that really got, that has it trending right now and going viral. He was talking about how, you know, in the previous uh, clip that he put out, he talked about Netflix and HBO Max and the company, Viacom, the company, yeah, about how the, the issues that he had with them and how he wasn't going the legal route and all of that. Well, in this clip he put out, um, he talked about how after he talked to his fans and was like, stop watching the show, they actually did it and it actually worked. Viacom called him into the offices, they sat him down and because people stopped watching it, the show lost value. So they didn't. Mm -hmm. So they relinquished his rights. They gave him back his rights to his show, his rights to his name, and they cut him a check for the for a more substantial portion of the proceeds that they received from the show. So it was a huge victory for him, you know. Um, and it's something that's unheard of. Like how we, I know you know, and Patrice, I know you guys know, like in in the entertainment industry and in any business, like contracts are law. Contracts are like yeah, the Bible. Yeah, yeah. They like so they're ironclad. And the fact that he signed a contract, even though it was you know, um, uh, negative form, it usually means that there's no recourse, but right. he was able to find a way to, uh, to, to make it work for him. And, uh, so he's announced that he's already had deals with Netflix. So now that he owns the rights, he's putting the show back out on Netflix. Hey, shouts out to Netflix too. Cause I don't think that would have worked if Netflix didn't, um, take it off right, on his right. behalf. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He talked about that how they yeah. stood behind them and how that really helped them a lot. So okay. it's a dope little clip, man. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, check it out. And um, yeah, man, it's just, it's just crazy. It's just something that's noteworthy just because that really doesn't happen, especially for us. You know what I'm saying? It's like uh, we get treated, uh, it's like we definitely, I know uh, the events of the past couple of months has definitely shown us even more of how we live in two different Americas. And so the way we get treated with this whole contract thing, is uh it's crazy so shout out to Chappelle for being able to you know to work that out and um you know at the, he ended it by saying now I can actually honestly say to Comedy Central that it was a pleasure doing business with you you know after all right, this time right. went by and all that so I thought that was kind of dope man um uh also uh HBO speaking of HBO Max uh Friday they released the the movie Judas and the Black Messiah to uh, critical to claim, everybody's saying it's, it's really good. I haven't seen it yet. Have any? Have I haven't any seen it. 
Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be really good. Um, it's the story of uh, Illinois Black Panther chairman Fred Hampton and the FBI informant Bill O'Neill, who uh, ultimately betrayed him. Uh, Hampton and O'Neill are played by Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield, respectively, uh, who round out a strong cast that includes Lil Rail, Martin Sheen, and Algie Smith, who played um, Ralph Tresman in the uh, New Edition story. Um, I'm hearing that it's really good. It's getting real good reviews. Everybody who's seen it, you know, I've been watching like social media and stuff. It's been trending. People say, uh, you know, it's, it's it's really worth checking out. You know, anytime these stories come out, I always got to be in a certain place to watch them. You know, I like, like I got to prepare myself because, you know, you don't want to, you know, these movies, you know, you see the thing, yeah. the real historical stuff. That it'll, change, it'll change your mind state. you have you angry, man. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. You ready to go out and push somebody. But, uh, you know, so, yeah, you got to make sure, you know, uh, but I'm, I'm definitely check it out. I'm off uh, for a couple of days, so I'm going to check it out. Um, and uh, probably, you know, talk more about it next week. But, um, but shout out to them. I heard it's a great movie, so I really want to... Yeah, I might have to watch that joint today. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, I did when I, I, I saw this uh, this morning, and I did want to uh, send, you know, thoughts and prayers out to the family of Nicki Minaj. Her father, Robert Mirage, uh, was struck, uh, fatally struck by a hit-and-run driver Friday. Uh, Mirage oh, was 64 nice. years old. Yeah, he was 64 years old. Uh, he said that he was walking along uh, a road in Mignola, New York, around 6.15 Friday when the car hit him and kept going. Um, Nicki Minaj hasn't put out a statement, but a lot of artists, a lot of uh, entertainers said, man, um, you know, the, the outpouring of, of uh, condolences and things through social media and all that. So definitely condolences because, you know, regardless of, uh, you know, the message or how you feel about it. You don't want nobody, you know, to go through stuff like that. It's definitely tragic, especially in that tragic way, you know. So, um, like I said, thoughts and prayers from us here at the Neighbors Livecast to her and her family, you know, in, in this tough time. So um, I wanted to ask you guys one more question before we get into this interview. I'm going to talk about, um, you know, um, as, as of today, the CDC reports that 38 million Americans have gotten at least the first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. And uh, yeah. it's being reported that although it might not be directly related to the vaccine, the COVID cases are going down in the US. That is the number of case, new cases and hospitalizations per day and week are decreasing. But you know, with this news, there's still a lot of people who feel like this whole push to get back to normal is uh is is moving too fast you know they they um citing things like the mardi gras started i think over the weekend and they have videos of people with no masks like crowding the streets things like the videos of the um the patriots celebrations from the super bowl win it was a bunch of people you know just out partying in real close proximity no masks and things and then also we've all seen videos of like the pool parties and the house parties and stuff like that and the biggest thing is this push to get uh, people back in the kids back in schools, you know, and they still they still talking about that. And I know uh, Patrice, we've talked about it a few times. Um, and I know you uh, you have some young ones. So you uh, see, he, yeah. he jumped right up. So right, you got to right. talk about kids back to school. He jumped right up. Yeah, yeah, and that's cool. I definitely want to uh, definitely want to hear his opinion and also oh, yours no. about um, about the push to get people back in school. Are they? Do you think they're ready? Um, uh, Aaron, do you think you'll send, you know, your kids when, when it's time to go? Uh, what, what's your feelings on it? I mean, 
ever since COVID started, like I filmed through COVID. Um, right. And none, none of the people I filmed with ended up with COVID or anything like that. But I, I'm, I'm, I lean more toward the faith. Um, I, I wasn't gonna allow COVID to um, stop my movement. Um, but as far as kids going back to school and stuff like that, I'm, I'm kind of 50 50 with it because people worrying about the speed of how everything's going. This is not back in 1940s. Science have definitely evolved. You know, they, they work in overtime to get this stuff done. The government is funding this stuff. Like it ain't like back in the day when they had very little knowledge whatsoever when it came to vaccines. Now this stuff, you know what I mean? They pretty much already had the patent for it and everything. So my thing is, and, and then COVID for real, for real, wasn't that much of a bad, bad virus. Like we've had way worse viruses that killed off way more than what COVID has done to America. It just was a virus that honestly was an airborne virus to me. So it's like, Either you got it or you didn't get it. But it was like a lot of people really didn't die as much. Like they say snake bites were had more death toll last year than COVID did. You know what I mean? But it's, it was a messed up situation. But as far as the vaccine goes and people getting back to everyday life, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I'm glad that it's working. I wouldn't take the first dose of vaccine, you know, but... um. As time go on, you know, I'm definitely open to being able to get vaccinated maybe later down the road once all the kinks get out. I'm like that with video game systems. You know, I don't yeah, want the yeah. first one. Just go, ahead and get, go ahead and let the test dummies take the first one. And once y'all get all the kinks out, then holler at me. Yeah. That's just my take. Okay, yeah, yeah. I know Chief kind of have a different one. But first, I want to talk to your son. Uh, about uh, you know, uh, going back to school. Cause how old are you? Seventeen. Okay, okay. And I'm sorry. What's your name? Tom Lawson. I play uh, Eric Bellamy. Okay, and the Rise of the Golden Goons. Yeah, we're gonna get into it. So, um, you know, but, but right now we're talking about uh the whole COVID thing and going back to school. Um, you know, do you feel like the schools are ready? Are you, you know, you feel like you're ready no. to go back? You don't um, want to go back. Now nah, it's beyond me not wanting to go back. It's the fact that uh, currently the virus is still out. The fact that there's still people getting COVID. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go to school and then catch Metro. I, get, I catch COVID. Because you're not about the school isn't about to go and get a school charter bus for each and every student. Right. All of us live too far. It's students all across the... Um, all across DC, you got Southeast, Northeast, uh, Northwest, Southwest. You gonna get every last one of them kids and bring them to school. Like it don't make sense. And then for the um the sizes of school buildings, how fast y'all about to clean that and thoroughly clean the school? Yeah. yeah. Right. Um. Even when the COVID virus first started, I um I had an idea, but I already knew the government was about to do it because it's expensive. All they had to do was make it like a boarding type school and like build another facility next to the school where um, it was like dormed off between male and female or whatever. 
Um, because my school had a little area for it too. So basically, um, you saying like like they did with the NBA, make like a school bubble. Yeah, like and just vaccinate everybody. I mean, not vaccinate, but like uh, COVID test everybody. Make sure everybody stays on school property. If you need anything, like it's ordered there. You know, you would have liked that, like this living at the school. I wouldn't have liked it, but it would have made, made more sense. Yeah, I mean, y'all would have went to school, but y'all would have. That, that, I mean, it's, it's so many fights break out. <laughs> a lot of craziness, and uh, you know they would probably have to have the parents live with them. So, I mean, but it's the idea though. That's just the, just the, the thought pattern. You know what I'm saying? That's dope. The, yeah. the, you know, had that. It'd have been so many kind of fights. Boy, it'd have been so many fights. Yeah, it's a lot of. Well, you know, we, I think all of us went to DC public schools, so we know about the. You know how it would have been. You know, but it'd uh, have been so many fights. Brothers would have got homesick. All types of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You talking about job corps and, and right, high school. Right, right pretty much. <laughs> That's basically what it would have been. Job yeah, yeah, Patrice, I wanted to uh I know I know you have somewhat of a different uh view on the uh on the whole vaccine uh thing and going back to school and things of that nature. Uh you wanna elaborate a little bit? Um, Are you talking about me and him? No. Oh no, I'm talking to uh the other Oh my bad, my bad. No, you good, man. Um, by the way, young man, I love your the idea that you had. Um, I think a lot of we talked about this last time. Day, I was talking about the fact that we are returning with the same protocols with the same administration when we know that it's broken from the jump. Um, so they're you know trying to put our children back into the same um, the same system that could have been you know tweaked here and there. Um, they've had almost a year to do so. Um, I, I think, like I said last time, my biggest um, uh, is the lack of um, support for the mental stability and um, support for the teachers um, and also for the students who, you know, um, like my son is 15 and he's like, you know, Ma, I miss my friends. And he said something to me the other day and it broke my heart. He said, Ma, I could never get my teenage years back. And I was like, man, you know, and I said, well, Jay, it's just one year. Um, but then I said to myself, I don't know if it's just gonna be one year. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so just trying to make sure I stay in my son's mind and make sure he stays mentally healthy exactly doing better academically um you know working virtually than he was in school he just hit a 4.0 and he has all ap classes doing amazing um he's so laser focused um but there are a lot of students that don't have that support at home so i think the shift in pushing them back to school is like is a twofold you have the left wing that those students that don't have support or don't have meals or don't have you know, heat or don't have, you know, the, the bare necessities of life or the support rather from within their home. Um, the right side wants to say, you know, send them to school so they can get food, so they can get support, so they can be, um, have, you know, human contact and not be, and not be depressed and those sorts of things. So it's just a lot to take into account. As far as the vaccine, I, I you know, I, I'm, um, <laughs> Um, here, here's what we don't talk about. 
from a health and fitness perspective, but just as a life perspective, we don't talk about how we need to take care of ourselves not to get sick. Like that just, that is basic. And I'm not speaking just, you know, blowing hot air. When I was in the hospital for two weeks when COVID was going on, I was in there popping vitamin C's, vitamin D's, um, my zinc. And, you know, before I went in, I walked, I took care of myself. And when I came out, when I was able to walk, I took care of myself and I still take vitamins and I still log all my food and I still eat healthy. And we don't focus on that as a community. And in this space, you would think that people have figured that out. Like, man, wait a minute. Huh. These natural things can help, you know, fight off this. Wow. You know, um, but, but instead we are, we allow, we allow our minds to be led by media, social media, and external entities that tell us to do this, that, or the third. Should I wear a mask? And a clown. And a huh? clown. <laughs> huh? And a clown. Oh, a clown. Oh, you talking about Trump? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he was a clown. We allow other external entities to tell us what's innate. And our, like, I tell my son all the time in life, do everything within your power to control your life. And we're not doing that. We would rather somebody tell us when to use a hand sanitizer, when to use a mask, when to do this and when to do that versus taking care of ourselves. And so in this space, I have to say though, positive, I'm so happy to see so many people riding bikes, people are cycling, people are working out, people are using apps, people are you know, buying bikes, riding bikes and, you know, the Peloton craze and all that stuff. And they're actually in introducing themselves or getting reacclimated with their fitness journey. But we need to do that overall instead of solely, instead of depending on a, a synthetic man-made va man vaccine that you don't even know what the hell is in the vaccine. They're all type that this vaccine is literally set to alter our DNA like that. That, mean, that means that you are no longer like in control of your being for me. That is huge. So no, I, I'm, you know, I know people are doing their vaccine thing and, you know, I, I never speak against what people do in their space because, you know, if, if you're, if you're, um, if you're wise, you know, not to be judgmental, that's like a low vibrational space to be in. So I'm not going to judge them, but I can tell you that I think people need to really investigate and really sit back and be still before they make a decision just because they have, you know, their job told them to, or cause you know, people's jobs are paying them and giving them incentives to get the vaccine or because they saw a celebrity do it, or they, you know, saw that somebody said two weeks later, oh yeah, I feel fine. Like they're not really, they're, they're depending on external things instead of their innate intelligence. Yeah, they saw that money check and they was like, oh, let's go back to school instead of actually thinking. And um, what you was talking about earlier with the mental uh, stability of students, I can't really agree with your son because um, my close circle, I still talk to nearly mm -hmm. daily. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, even yeah. though it might not be in person, like mm -hmm. I'll talk to them or like I'll play the game with them, uh, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. I can understand that. 
but mm-hmm. you you had those relationships before COVID. See, same thing like with your brother who was getting into opening up and meeting new people. Then all of a sudden COVID comes. So they it's still they don't have that opportunity right now to actually reach out and get to know these people. So it, it, it's it, it's a two-way street when it comes yeah, to that. I think it's that's, uh, because, you know, um, for certain kids at a certain age, when you start to open up and become social and you build social skills, that's how you do it, by interacting and stuff. And so that's one of the tough things. But I, I lean more toward, you know, um, uh, I definitely think about kids' uh, mental well-being and stuff like that. But I definitely feel like, you know, kids are a lot of times, they, you know, you're adjustable. You know, you can adjust to the situation uh, uh, pretty well. So, you know, but but I do feel like uh, that there definitely needs to be more thought and more care given to the prospect of sending kids back to school before putting them in a situation where it becomes like a mass spreading situation or something like that. So that's like the main worry. And, and the issue is, like, um, in my opinion, and all the stuff that I've heard and read and seen is like, okay, legislators had meetings and decided this, you know, city councils got together and decided this, but they're not really listening to the teachers and the students, which is the people who are in the situation. How are you going to make a decision for a group of people and not take into consideration how they feel about it? So, so that's, um, and I mean, some people are pushing to get back. Some of the students want to go back. Some of the parents and teachers want to go back and some don't. So I think it should be more individualized, like, you know, if places want to do it, so find a way to try to do it safely. And if they don't listen to them, as opposed to like in D.C., where the teachers union is coming to them saying, you know, we want to get a better plan in place that makes us feel more comfortable. And the city council is like, nah, y'all going back, you know, and that's crazy to me not to listen to the people who are actually doing the work, you know, and that, that's a problem. But um, but yes. yeah, hope, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Patrice. Um, To the young man. I'm sorry, young man. What's your name? Timon. What's your name? Timon. Timon. Timon? Yeah. Okay. Um, I wanted to uh, kind of give you uh, the mic, like really give you the mic right now to, for you to speak to um, anyone out there who has children who might be listening or they might want to show it to them. If you could say something to those young people that are having, um, you know, aren't uh, aren't having such a um, or having a tough time with being away from their friends or you know just not doing well academically at home within this space um, if you could say something to them to encourage them or something that works for you what would you say to them um something that I would say in terms of trying to help other students just get it done like in my opinion because I know I know a few kids that just said they just gave up and it's like no I'm not doing this mm. um and they'll go the entire school year knowing good as well they'll fail and be like I don't I don't care and so I guess just trying to make sure you get past it because um it's this song verse I heard I, I relate a lot with music so it's the song verse I heard world don't stop just because you get in a bad mood so uh as life goes on, you can't just sit there and like, uh, as you were saying, let life control you. You can't sit there and be upset and expect the world to cradle you and tell you everything's okay. You have to move on with it. Like whether that's you growing as a person or you having to go through that struggle, um, 
no matter what, you still got to get through. So with school, the work isn't hard. You can't, no student should sit there and be like, oh, the work is too hard because of the amount of people that are still sitting there passing. Like, mm-hmm. it's people that literally would wake up and then go right back to sleep. They don't go to school. Um, they miss classes or they're skipping classes. Uh, I had so many classmates just not come to school. And it's crazy. Um, and then they want to talk about, um, schools was talking about just have students that were failing come back. Mm-hmm. And so that's a lot of students either way. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, yeah man, it's a, a great input. That was a great question, Patrice. Thank you for uh, giving them that opportunity to do that. And I mean, that's, you know, uh, that sentiment is strong, man. Just get it done. And and that's, that's what it is, you know. Um, trying to get young people to understand as it's obvious that you do tomorrow I feel, I feel like your dad did a good job of making sure you understand the importance of getting it done of, of persevering through all that and understanding like you know um this what you're doing now can affect you for the rest of your life so it's important that you get it done you know and that that's dope that's dope yeah go ahead yeah so um the reason i have that like complete mindset i hate school like, I'm at IB classes, on a roll. I hate school. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be here. I um wanted to leave school back in, like, the fifth grade, but I know I can't get a good job without school. Right. You got to have a high school diploma to get at least a decent job. And to get even better job opportunities and money, you got to go to college. So that's an extra four years after the 12 semi-years you go to school. So it's 16 years in total. And then on top of that, if you want to become a doctor or anything, which pays even more money, like at the end of the day, you got to look at, is this hurting me or benefiting me going to school? And so I just had to make up in my mind, if I want to be successful and I want to do the things that I want to do in life, I got to eat this and just continue to work hard and go to school no matter how much I don't like it. Right. Because at the end of the day, when I look back and I say to myself, it was worth it. It'll all be worth it. That's true. And, and he forgot the one thing I always tell my kids. It's better to work hard now yeah, and not have to work hard later. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, you're going to work hard. So get it out the way now. Right, right. Go right. to school, do all that stuff now while you're young. Get it out the way. Because, like I say, shoot, I... I was that kid. I hated school too, and all that. But I, I ain't, I ain't do it. Either. I ain't had nobody tell me work hard now, <laughs> work hard later. Right, so right, right. I was working janitorial and stuff like that for the Washington Post, and I'm picking up trash and cleaning toilets, and I'm walking past cats making hundred thousand dollars a year playing solitaire. Right, I'm like, right. God damn! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. wish I'd have paid it. I wish I'd have just did a little more in school, you know, but. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I always preach to my kids, man. The people that get paid the most money is the ones that got got the knowledge that can't be replaced. The ones that's smart enough to that have the information that nobody else knows. Right. Those are the ones that get 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 the money. If if it's a job that anybody can do or they deem anybody can do, you get very little money. The more you know, then the less others know, the better you are in this world. And I preach that to my kids all the time. Get the knowledge, get the knowledge, get the knowledge, and constantly grow within your mind. 
you know, who would they say? Just, just do the system. Follow the system so you don't have to follow it no more until you can become the system. You know, and I preach that to them because that wasn't preached to me. Yeah. I wish I knew the stuff that I know now. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, you know, so my whole goal has always been to prepare them for this, this world. <laughs> prepare. I never hid anything far as... Um, how 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 dangerous this this world can be. I never hear that from my kids. Always, my whole goal has always been life skills and teaching them to be prepared for when they turn 40, preparing them before they turn 25, preparing them before they turn 50. If Lord willing, they reach those ages, they could be prepared for early retirement stuff like that so the stuff that i went through the stuff that i i had to endure i mm. try to prepare them to not have to even think about worrying about those type of things right. you know so you know hopefully you know it pays off in the end <laughs> yeah yeah it's looking like you know definitely what you instilled in them is, is, is working now i see the work ethic i see the you know the the intelligent thought that's going on the, the thought processes that are going on and that's dope man you know just as, as a, one brother to another, man, I'm proud of you, like, seeing all the stuff that you're doing, Thanks, all the good man. that you're doing, and then passing it on, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, um, hey, Dave, you you know, I, I, wasn't, the, <laughs> I wasn't the nicest guy coming up. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, yeah, we, we talked a little bit before the show about, you know, coming up where we came from and uh, seeing all the struggles yeah. and things. And so being able like to persevere, you know. But yeah. at the end of the day, we just didn't, I just didn't have, I didn't have, the mentor at that age. I didn't have, I got those mentors later in life, but I didn't have it. I My mentors was selling crack. My, my mentor, the people uh, in, directly in front of me was killing our people. You know what I mean? They wasn't helping our people. They was killing our people. They were, you know, and no knock on that because I was out there too, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't helping us. It yeah. wasn't, it was putting money in your pocket, but it wasn't helping us grow. If anybody knows the crack, crack epidemic really, really hurt the black community in so many ways, so, so many ways that it didn't help. It, it really messed up a movement. It messed up everything of uh, people before us, put us in place of, once people start using crack, man, this tore us down completely tore us down for mothers, fathers, children for for what about 20 years? Yeah. Oh, long, yeah, years. It's, it's, uh, oh. for a long time, definitely. Yeah. 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 So, uh, and and it saddens me now, because I used to always think back when back in the day in the 90s, I was like, man, crack is going to expire. Like eventually people going to go get clean and this is going to be over with. But now I'm seeing folks younger than us doing again. Yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding yeah. me? Why are y'all going backwards? Yeah, I, I never understood. Tough. Yeah, it's tough to understand. I always say, like, um, come in. Even back in my era, I would see like those commercials and stuff on TV. But beyond just that, and like the just they know, like the information about what it did to you, like. Growing up, like down the street from like the crack, I was like actually seeing these people and physically what it did to you and stuff. Like, I mean, how could you want to do that? Tough, yeah, to understand how you can see that and be like, well, not me. It ain't gonna happen to me, you know. But, but 
but it happens every day. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's something that's, you know, put in front of some people don't see a way out or when it's all that you see, you think that that you're doomed to repeat that. But um, that's why it's dope to have people like you, you know what I'm saying, uh, making your mark in the entertainment industry and doing your thing. So that's a great segue into this interview, man. I want to talk to you about all the cool stuff that you're doing. You and your son, it's, it's dope that you, you know, making it a family venture and showing your kids, you know, uh, being that example to show them that it's different ways. And like you, uh, I think something that you said, I don't want to let it pass without, um, you know, addressing it and, and, and bringing light to what you said about working the system until you can become the system. And that's the goal is understand. I think Patrice said something similar to that a lot, how she tells her son, you know, when, when he going to school, you know, get all that, but understand that that's not everything. That that's not the whole story. They're not telling you the truth. They're not necessarily telling you the whole uh, story of what you need to know to survive. Very in this life. You're going to get that education, but it's a deeper education that you need to get. But that education is something that um, is structured um, in some ways to set you up to succeed, but also um, to, to shield you from the truth of who you are. So you need to understand that too. So yeah, yeah getting that understanding to work that system until you can be the system is, is, a, is, a, is a dope sentiment. And, I, and I'm glad you said it. But uh, with, with that being said, man, I always ask everybody, one of the first questions I ask everybody that comes on here is when you were younger and people would ask you what you wanted to be when you grow up, do you remember what you would say? Be honest, man, I, I never knew exactly what I wanted to do. Right. I never knew what exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I always, I guess entrepreneurship mm. was always something for me that I, I wanted. I always knew something about sales or, or being my own person or something like that, or not really working for somebody, but this a concrete thing I never knew. Like, that's why I'm like jack all trades. I'm always like doing something new or reinventing myself or changing or doing something else. I've never had this one thing like, oh, I want to be a lawyer. I'm going straight to being a lawyer. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I never had that. I never had that one mindset drive. I'm, so I've kind of been all over the place. <laughs> and and that's, what you say is exactly why I always ask that question. I know it's people that see, you know, uh, these interviews and they might be going through a situation where they feel like because they didn't have something solid or, you know, or they might have had something and it changed. I like to always show that where you start is not always where you finish. You know what I'm saying? So even though you might not have had it along the way, you found the things that you were uh, that you excelled at. And you went ahead and accentuated those things. And that's the key to life is basically, you know, um, finding out what works for you and making it work for you pretty much, you know. So, uh, so yeah, that's exactly why I asked that question, man. Definitely. So, but you know what, Super Day, though? Yeah. I remember in 1999, me thinking I wasn't going to live past 1999. That's crazy. So I probably never really even thought further than 1999 at that, at that point. You know what I mean? It was That's weird wild. for me. Like, once I lived past 1990, for some reason, for a long time, up until 1999, I was like, I'm going to die in 1999. And when 1999 passed, I was like, well, maybe I don't know as much as I thought I knew. Right, right. Yeah. You know, it really opened me up to, like, maybe, maybe I'm here for a bigger purpose than I thought. You right. know, because... 1999 was probably one of my most craziest years, man. I'm surprised I'm not doing life in prison or, yeah. 
or dead right now. You know what I mean? So it's this, you know, it's a blessing that I'm here. It's a blessing that I have children. Um, and I'm just always striving to be a legend, man. Like I want to be a living legend. I want my kids, 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 kids to be able to survive all for me, um, all for my sacrifices. That's that's all. That's my that's my new goal. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And I think uh, what you said um, about about your feelings back then speaks to what uh, Patrice was saying about the mental stability of young people because there's people out there every day walking around that have that mentality or that yeah. understanding just because of their life circumstances, you know. Um, that that they might that they're not gonna make it or that their life isn't worth even trying to make it. So uh, in the same way that Patrice did with your son, I want to ask you, what was it? Uh, was it any specific thing that that brought you out of that and got you to the point where you was like, man, let me uh, you know, let me buckle down and really make something happen with my life. Like like, how did you transition out of feeling like you wasn't gonna make it? To, oh, you said it was just uh, getting past 1990, getting past the year. Well, getting past 1999, but the but what really turned me into a man was having my son. Mm. No, it took it. Once I had him, I stopped living for me. I stopped living for me. It wasn't just about me no more. It was about what I got to do for them. Right. You know, for my oldest son, my youngest son, it was. It was like my life, my life stopped and it, and it began. It, it, it restarted. It's like it's like I hit the reset button on the Nintendo and it was like, all right, stop playing games and start living life, man. Like that that's been my I've been full steam ahead ever since. Like, what can I do to get us and like I say, I, I'm thinking beyond just them. I'm thinking their kids, their kids, kids. Like I wanna, I wanna, I wanna have generational wealth. You know, I would love to be talked about for centuries that great, 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 great grandpa Lawson started this because of such and such and such and such he did. You know, I want that. I really want that. Like, I want, I want my family to recognize my sacrifices. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you grinding like you know, like that's the goal. When you have a goal like that, it puts a different kind of grind in you. So, um, so you uh, with that mindset, you uh, moved toward the entertainment industry, and and we were talking about earlier how it started with music, you know, um, how you uh, you started the label HMG, but uh, you started rapping first, right? Um, no, no, no. All right, so. The history on um, how I got in the music game yeah. is tricky. It's all in itself. Like I said, I had no idea about what I wanted to do. And um, when I got, when I was with my ex, um, yeah. after my ex-wife, I used to do blogs on MySpace. Mm -hmm. And um, my, my ex-wife, we had a little issue with MySpace. So I deleted my MySpace, but I kept my blogs. I, I like printed them out and everything because mm -hmm. people actually liked some of the stuff that I was saying. It was life stories. So when I got with my um, my ex uh, Katrina, AKA Kissy Face, she was oh, like, why don't you write songs? She was like, why don't you write songs? I was like, I don't know nothing about no music. I, wasn't in, I never did no music, rap, none of that. So she was like, you're not even going to try. 
So it sparked something in me. So I just I started writing R&B first. Mm. Writing R&B songs, doing a little poetry type stuff like that. I, I ain't never had no formal training, none of that. Mm. So I did it. People was actually, you know, showing like some liking to what I was doing. Mm. And um, so I got a, I got a couple of artists going to the booth um, as well as Kissy Face. And we did some songs here and there. But the issue I was having early on was a lot of those artists was not trying to go on stage. They were cool with the studio, but they wasn't going on stage. So fast forward a little bit. Next thing you know, I run into my little cousin, Hera Wayne. We end up putting together a group called For the Truth with me, Hera Wayne, my boy, OG Buck Johnson. The first group was For the Truth. We was um, a partnership in the beginning. Everything was um, 100% between us four. Um, but ironically, everybody started losing their jobs. But me, I had two jobs. I was, I was making pretty good money. But so I could have just said, well, y'all lost y'all jobs. I'm done with this. Boo, boo. But I was like, no, I'm, God got me working these two jobs. I kept it going. But it changed the dynamic of the group because I'm like, I'm not going to be putting in all the financial and everything still split evenly. So it changed things to 50 and y'all take the rest type of thing. And that's where the CEO came into play and so forth and so on. And um, then certain things happened with the, with For the Truth. Folks got pregnant or folks had to move away and so forth and so on. So it slowly changed the HMG uh, management with me um, managing my first artist, DZ Boss. From there, just like, I don't know, people always gravitated toward me in this music um, sector or whatever. Either folks either gravitate toward me or they hate the hell out of me. It, it's always, it's never yeah. been 100% with me. So, yeah. you know, so, you know, it just led me to being in the music industry and writing hooks for raps and write, still writing R&B and just writing, um, music video scripts okay. and um and it's and it's always been weird about the whole music video stuff is because when i was younger even though i never played an instrument i wasn't really in the music like per se as far as rapping and all that but i've always used to watch music videos all day every day like like dudes watch ESPN all day, every day. I was watching The Box, Jukebox, VH1, uh, 106 and Pop. Like my TV stayed on those channels all day, every day. Music video, music video, music video. I'm a, I'm a Michael Jackson esque person, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So when it came to writing music video scripts, people used to always be like, man, your music videos look like little miniature movies. So I will always have a beginning and an end. I have it scripted out. Videographers love working with me or hated working with me because of the, the structure or time frame it took to shoot a video with me. Yeah. But um, so people just noticed that my videos were like movies. So when I got the opportunity to play in a movie, um, the movie Renegade that's out right now on YouTube by, that was created by Chris Malachi Thomas, um, he had me play a boss, 
um, by the name of Shaka. And in this, in the movie, I get killed by his character. Um, What's his name? Tyson. Tyson kills me. So what happened, I just asked him, was he planning on doing anything on this character that I, I was playing? And he was like, nah. And to me, I was like, it's something about this character that need to be explained. So me being a writer, and then on top of that, my son's being shunned by Duke Elliott. Um, I was like, my son looked like me. He could play a younger version of me. I could do a, a prequel. So mm -hmm. that's what happened. I did a prequel to Renegade where he plays the younger version of myself. Um, for folks that's watching, y'all can look at the trailer on YouTube. Under rise of the rise of the golden goons, okay. um, check out that trailer. Subscribe. Um, I need a thousand subscriptions, man. Um, so anybody that's watching, please subscribe. Check it out. And um, the you yeah, know I that just birth rise like, of the golden goons. Yeah, you answered like five of the questions I had, man. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> my bad. I yeah, just no, no, you good, you good. Yeah, it's all good. Um, so yeah, because I was gonna ask you, you know, um. Uh, with with the uh, so go back to the music a little bit. Um, with doing that, like you know, I know you, you your team that you had around you was always strong. You had a real uh, strong team. Uh, you know, from your artists to behind the scenes people that did the work and everything. Uh, assembling the team, how important was that? And uh, having those type of people around you to make your uh, your music goals come to come to fruition. Man, like I say, folks gravitated to me, man. And um, just so happened, the music part just was a beautiful thing. I, I love creating. I love creating. I like, I, I love being the first to hear something. I love, I love first discovering our artists, so forth and so on. And um, having those folks that was in my life, the good and the bad ones, um really shaped who I am today. Really shaped who I am today. Yeah, yeah. And I noticed um with with uh Rise of the Golden Goon, you know what I'm saying? So you basically uh explained that that's the uh it's the prequel or or giving the uh explanation to the character of Shaka, right? That that character right, right, that right. so yeah that's a dope idea. And so you um uh, I, that answers a lot of stuff because it's the uh, continuation of a character that you played. That's why you picked your son to be in it. So um, mm -hmm. was acting something that he wanted to do? And I guess I could ask him that. Uh, was acting something that he wanted to do or, or was it something that you kind of pushed him to do? So so the issue I had was they both went to a uh, performing art school by the name of William E. Dore Jr. Mm -hmm. over there off of uh, Rhode Island Avenue in that area. Yeah. Um, they went to performing art school since they was in pre-K. Mm -hmm. And um, with, with Timon, he, he started off acting a little bit, but then he went into the music. He plays trumpet and sousaphone, stuff like that. But he, he could talk mm -hmm. more about that. Mm -hmm. And then um, my younger son, who was a drama major from <laughs> pre-K all the way through. He is so cool. <laughs> the other one too heavy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he has a trumpet and sousaphone just taking up my living room right now. But um, so with my younger son, he's been drama major. Now he goes to um, Richard Wright, which is journalism school. 
or whatever, but both of them got denied by Duke Ellington. So, so it really fueled me because I'm like, yo, y'all, Duke, Duke just passed up on some talented kids. So sometimes, you know, even if they don't necessarily get a leg up by somebody, sometimes we just we have to do a form, you know. So with that being said, I'm, I opened up the door. I'm like, I know my kids talented. I know what they're capable of doing. And the opportunity came, I, I just got the right. I got the right. I'm like, we're going to do X, Y, Z. They were on board. And, you know, we put together an amazing, amazing TV series. Um, and the crazy thing is um, the rest of the cast, how, how all of that came about, like, it, it was no exact science. Right, Wasn't no right. exact science. Like, people I had slated to be certain characters, they flaked on me. But people jumped in and stepped in and played these characters better than the person I originally thought was going to play these characters. Like, like I say, I keep telling people, this thing bigger than me. It's way bigger than me. Like, it's something special about this show, Rise of the Golden Goons, that's beyond what anybody thinks of me in general, because this thing is going to be bigger, bigger, bigger than life. It's bigger than life. And that's not me just patting myself on the back. Like, just how everything is coming to fruition how everything, like, I had people purposely try to sabotage this project, people purposely not show up, and I've had people step in within an hour of shooting to be a part of this, and we got this thing done during COVID. Yeah, yeah. So, it's it just so much involved with this show that um, I know it's, it's destined. It's destined yeah. for greatness. Yeah, like I said, that's that's that that's that adage. Once you put your mind to something, you know, I mean, and uh, the the universe. Well, once you decide you're going to do something, the universe will bend to your will. You know, uh, you they will put everything in place that you need, and that's a clear indication that it's something that needs to happen. If you know obstacles arise, but then, like you said, things happen to show you uh, to to get you past that obstacle in a way that sometimes is even better than what you had originally planned. So um, before I go any further, I want to probably, I was saying feature film, but it's a series. Yeah, um, initially it started out as a series. Then we we had a little issue with the scripting about timing mm-hmm. for, us to, for episodes or whatever. So we was going to do a movie per se because of the timing for each episode, but then we switched it back to being a series. Yeah. Yeah, oh, this is yeah, such a so, good place. Like this t- time right now is such a good place for that kind of creative space because you know it's open for you know a lot of different interpretations. I've seen projects that started out as movies become shows, projects start out as shows become movies, and it still work, and you still are able to tell a story successfully, you know, in whatever medium that you that you put it in. So um, but I, I, I have to give kudos to my sons, me me being a parent. And one of those parents that actually listened to my kids, um, they were like, Dad, their generation is not really into sitting down and watching two, three hours of movies. Mm-hmm. So they were like, make it a series. Make it a TV series. So I listened to them. I was like, all right, well, this, this, that, they're, they're the new wave. They're, they're, they're the new 
Like we can't go off of what what we know. You know, I I need to know what the seventeen and the fifteen year olds are into because right. they that they're the future. They're the future. They're they're who I'm trying to appeal to. Us older folks, we can care less about some things, you know. So I, I need to I need to make sure they straight. Yeah, so, yeah, that's what's listen. gonna carry you on. That's what like uh you know the regulators and stuff do that. They target the younger because they know that's the generation that's gonna follow the artists or the series or whatever it may be throughout their life. So um so I want to talk to uh, Timon a little bit if I can. Uh yeah, so your dad had this idea for this for the series. He came to you, he's like, you know, it's about this character that I played. I want you to play the, the lead character. How did he ask you or how did he tell you about it? Um, so before I say this, I'm, I'm completely joking. So he came to me in the office. He was like, seen Austin Powers. You know who Doc, um, you know who um, Dr. Evil and Mini Me are? That could be us. <laughs> Visioning. Everything the light touches will be ours. No. <laughs> We're not aiming for a million dollars. We're aiming for a million views. <laughs> nah, but in all seriousness, he was um he came to me and asked me, um, would I actually I don't remember. I think he asked me like, did I want to be in the show or whatever? And I was like, yeah. Because I like acting. It's um fun. Like I voice act all the time. Um, or like joke around and do different characters. Like literally just that. I'm making yeah. stories up as I go along. Yeah. So I, I I like to switch things up a little bit and uh, take him to a different perspective. And so when he came to me with this opportunity, I knew I had to take advantage of it. <laughs> That's dope. That's dope, man. <laughs> so, so, um, so uh, right now the the season or like the filming is done. Everything's wrapped. Or y'all still filming? Oh no, filming is completed. Okay. Uh, we're editing at the moment. Um, we're okay. looking to have it out um, late May, early June. We're pushing for Amazon Prime right now. Mm -hmm. um, my goal is to put it on one site first, and then. Um, my, um, monopolizing and getting on multiple um, streaming services afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, popularity grow. That that's definitely a possibility. Yeah, yeah. The whole mindset of just putting it on one thing is to focus everybody to go to one ex one spot. I don't want I don't want it to be multiple sites and you know people not necessarily knowing exactly where to go find it at. Yeah. You know, also, so. the streaming sites, uh, especially when you're starting out, they're big on exclusivity. So they want to be able to be like, we're the only ones that have this. You have to come here to get it. So, yeah, that's that's dope, man. So with, with all the filming being done, um, you say you're in the editing process. I'm going to ask both of y'all, you you know, I'm you've seen some of the product. So, like, what's your take on it so far? Like, you know, first of all, you, Aaron, like seeing your work that you put in, seeing your writing, come to life and being acted out by your son and the other actors. Like, I know that's a dope feeling, right? Um, For me, my biggest concern was, wasn't the story. My biggest concern was uh, being as though I was dealing with novice actors, mm -hmm. um, how they were gonna push my story to, to the viewers. You know, how was they gonna be able to bring what I put in script to life and um, right, right, right. I have to say they did a phenomenal job. 
They did a phenomenal job. Everybody who acted, um, it was it was some growing pains. It definitely was, especially with this one right here who likes to look in cameras. Um, but <laughs> looking at me, first off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man, my main star constantly keep looking at this camera. My, my cameraman sure tell you one to shove that camera down in his mouth. But <laughs> he finally, he got to the point where he, man, he, he can go on probably any show now. Like, And I, I was about to say, that's one of the processes, you know, uh, when you start out acting, there's certain things that you have to, you know, uh, certain concepts that you have to grasp. And one of them is of course, the camera's not supposed to be there. You know what I'm saying? Even when it's a close-up or something. It's all, and it takes a while, but I'm glad that you got it down. It's that. It's, I don't know if y'all saw the um, the Fresh Prince documentary about the show when he was talking about yeah, he used to he talk, was, he yeah, used to... mouth everybody's words. Like, I would do stuff like that. Like, it's just trying to know everything, make sure you're on point, but you don't realize your mouth is it's ruining it because this is supposed to be happening spontaneous, but how you know what the other person's saying? So, you know, but it's little stuff like that that you'll learn. Um, yeah, was there anything else like that, Timon, that you that you felt like you picked up through this process that's going to help you in your acting career? Man, I'm a YouTuber. I sit there and go like this for a living. Right, yeah, you look at the uh, camera. The camera's for a looking at me. Right, man. right. <laughs> camera's yeah. looking at me. I also have a problem with if I could feel something near me, like I have to look at it. Like it could be like the smallest thing and I. I just uh, sense yeah. it, like I gotta look. And like, there's so I, much going on. Like when you're acting, there's so much going on behind the scenes, behind the set, that <laughs> it'll pull your attention. So you gotta stay laser focused. But so yeah, yeah like, like I said, do you have aspirations to act uh, anymore? And if so, what did you learn from this process that you're gonna take with you into that? Um, I do have aspirations to continue to act. Um, one thing I learned from this situation, um, how to not look in the camera, one, and then two, um, making sure to know actually i already kind of knew this but like switching it on and off um while on scene or off scene mm -hmm. so. yeah 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 being when you on scene being committed to the character and making it real for you but then switch being able to switch it off you know a lot of actors have trouble with that especially when they play roles that are real deep or you know real either dramatic and stuff like that they have a problem going back to their soul learning how to do that early is something uh, that, that'll help you definitely, man. So that's, that's dope, man. Let me ask you, Aaron, how important is it? Like you talk uh, a lot about legacy, generational wealth, you know, uh, bringing your kids into this, this space and, you know, having them here with you and, and, and not only learning from you, but seeing you go through the stuff and seeing you learn and, and progress. Like uh, that's gotta be like extremely important. And I mean, uh, how do you feel about that process? Can you talk a little bit about having your kids with you and, and, uh, teaching them the things that you've been able to teach them through this process? Um, man, I have to say that um, them being a part of it really, really, really is a, a great thing. Like, I, I could see them writing. Um, my youngest son, who's not on camera, Tehran, he, he's been very um, inspirational when it comes to um, bouncing ideas off of. Um, he, he's, he's a, a critical thinker. So, um, I, I do a lot of, um, talking with him about scripts and ideas and concepts and so forth and so on. And, um, he does, he does a very, very good job at that. Cause, um, 
like I said, he he's a drama major. He he's actually he's actually had form um, training with script writing and and being on stage and like he 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 didn't really go through a lot of the growing pains this one did when it came to looking in camera and stuff like that. So it really comes natural to him. So um, working with him, just they working with both of them really propelled me to like write more scripts, come up with more concepts. So, and the same is with other artists that um, I work with throughout the, or actors and actresses that I work with on Rise of the Gona Goons. It made me um, cast them in other concepts and other stories that I plan on doing. Um, I got horror movies coming out. Um, I got love stories coming out. I got a book that I'm, um, I gotta complete. I've been working on for about five years. But um, the, the one thing that really helps me in my script writing is knowing the character I'm writing about. Mm-hmm. The person that's gonna play that character that really helps me with it because um, again, like I say, I'm not dealing with um, trained actors all the way. Um, people may have little, ex- little to no a- acting experience. But with me knowing their everyday character, it helped me be able to place them in roles that they don't necessarily, they're not acting anymore. They're just being themselves on camera. So when that happened, I saw certain people's um, extreme talents to make me want to do other things with them. So a lot of, you're gonna I'm I'm gonna be like the black Adam Sandler, you know, like you're gonna see, no, you're gonna like, oh yeah, I remember them in his first joint at um, Rise of the Go to Goals, and now they're playing in this and they're they're playing in that. I remember when they started, and that's gonna that's definitely gonna happen. That's dope. Yes, yes. So um and to be able to have that vision to be able to see something in somebody and be like, okay, I can take that aspect of what they do. And turning it to a story about them that's that's dope man i'm like i'm rooting for you man i'm always i'm like appreciate you gonna it, do man. it so i want to ask you you know um with having your kids you know um bringing them into the realm of entertainment it's always you know that worry or do you have that worry about some of the the pitfalls that entertainers especially younger people getting into entertainment can get into with falling to the wrong crowd or even dealing with things like um you know uh bad um bad deals and stuff like that uh it's a lot that kids get into and we see a lot of the stuff going on now with people like you know britney spears going through her legal battle with her dad trying to get him off her her like uh her estate and all this stuff you know so um do you worry about them getting into any of those issues i mean i'll be lying if i said no you know but um one thing i like about my kids they're very strong-minded they're very strong-minded um i i sometimes envy it because um you know being smart when we was coming up you know it wasn't always a good thing right and um them i love the fact that they're they don't hide how intelligent they are i love the fact that you know even though they're smart they're tough you know, no one, no one's gonna bully them or make them feel like they're less than 
this because they're smart, you know, because I remember me coming up, sometimes, a lot of times I had to hide my intelligence, you know, because I didn't want to be targeted by the, the dumb bullies or whatever like that. So I really, I really love the fact that they're smart and strong and strong minded, strong willed. Um, no one there, no one can just um, influence them, you know, and I, and I hope that can continue throughout their growth into adulthood, you know, they're still adolescents, they still young, but, um, you know, all we can do is pray that, you know, they continue on their path, you know, because, you know, you've heard stories like even on the temptations where, one of the guys was, I think it was Paul, Paul Williams. He never drank or anything like that. And the next thing you know, he get to drink and become an alcoholic to the right, point right, of right. Killing, killing himself. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, those yeah. things happen. Those things happen where a person can be going on a straight and narrow and then something happens where they right. just completely crash and burn. So, you know, I can say all day that, you know, Nah, I'm not worried about them doing. That's not necessarily true. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I just all I could do is pray and continue to instill life lessons in them, and um, hope they, you know, stay on path. I've already said. Um, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you. Yeah, go ahead. But uh, in times of that, once I'm near my deathbed or about to croak, I'm doing everything. <laughs> every drug, every form of alcohol, everything. I'm going out with a bang. Hey. <laughs> I heard people say that, man. I don't know if that's the best, you know, because uh, because you might that's say, the best way to go out. Well, if, if you sure you going out, but I always had this question: like, if I don't go out by doing all of that, some I'm gonna have I'm a strong immune you out. system. That's true, but it's like, what if you do all that and then whatever you was dying? Like I always say, if the guy found out he was dying of cancer. So he jumped off a building and right when he hit the ground before, look, because he thought he was dying anyway. But when he hit the ground before he died, it's a TV in the window that say, we found a cure for cancer. You know, he'd be messed up in the head. So, you know, you think, you know. No, you know, no, that's suicide. That's suicide. That's, that's, that's same the same thing. thing you did. Ah, listen, listen, listen. I'm doing that for fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you die, you die. I'm going to be drunk. I'm gonna make sure somebody monitor me too. Keep me in a room. Um, <laughs> your system may completely go haywire. <laughs> you the weed, the crack coke. Oh my uh, god! Meth, heroin, uh, Vodka. Uh, hey, look. Well, it's good you're gonna be around for a long time, so you'll have some time to rethink that. Uh, right? I plan on living till I'm like 150. Yeah, and people living longer these days. But I want to ask you though, hearing your dad say all that cool stuff about you, how you know how much he appreciates your personality and all that. Like you know, hearing that from your father, how does that make you feel? Um, it makes me feel proud of the person that I'm becoming. Um, knowing like even beyond my father, like hearing my uh my mother say it, or even like random people, like it's been people that say like I'm wise beyond my years because I don't do the same thing everybody else is doing, like. Mm -hmm. Even people in their 30s sometimes come back to me and be like, I wish I was doing that when I was your age. So yeah, yeah. me knowing that the course that I'm taking is the right one, I'm not going to let um, people just deter me or change my path. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's, 
that's dope, man. And I want I know your father probably said it to you, but I want to say it too, man. That that's so true. Cause I feel like, you know, when I was 17, 18, man, I was out here trying to get females in these streets. You know, I wasn't if I was more focused, you know, I would have been so far ahead. So don't, you know, um have fun, live your life, but don't squander the opportunity. Like right now, getting into this with your dad's putting you into, and then what you're getting into yourself is putting you in a position to to have a great future, man. And so yeah, yeah, to only go up. So yeah, keep grinding, man. I see great things for you, brother. That, that's that's dope. But um, I'm sad Thank like you. it's over, but I got a bunch of more questions for y'all. Uh, we got about 10 minutes, so I'm gonna try to get them all in, man. Uh, before we go any further, man, I appreciate y'all so much, man. This is really a dope interview. Thank Where you. Patrice go. Uh, I don't. I did. Sometimes she uh have like technical difficulties and stuff. Oh the no. That. Uh, she'll pop <laughs> back in there in a second. Yeah. Or even you know she got a phone call or something. But anyway. Uh, gotcha. But yeah, man. Um, but, uh, like I said, uh, when we talked before it started, um, you know, I feel like that uh, even though because this is your first time uh, writing and directing, right? Yeah, very first yeah. time. Well, uh, outside of um, music video music, but yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of difference between. So uh, you've done, um, you've worked with people doing albums, and you've done albums, and you now you've done this series. I know it's, uh, some stuff is a lot of similarities and it's a lot of differences. What was some of the stuff that you're saying that like you kind of took that work ethic from the music and you could apply it to the 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 movies? Was there anything that was real similar that you was like, oh, I could do this because I learned how to do it over here. I could just put it over there. The best part of all of this is the fact that I'm working with my favorite videographer. Oh, that's dope. Um, yeah. You know, um, Shorte, I, I can give him a concept, give him a treatment, and he matches my vision a hundred percent. Yeah, you know, and um, and his work ethic, man. Like, like I can't, I can't praise that enough with him. Like, it it doesn't matter if it takes twenty hours to finish a music video, right. he's with it. You know, I've had videographers, man. We got two hours to do a video, and I'm like, really? Yeah. Who does a video in two hours? You know what I mean? So I mean, well, they um, do it, but you can tell, like, yeah, when you see that video, yeah, you know that I've, it was only two hours. You know? I've crammed, I crammed a mm -hmm. video last minute. Um, music video by uh, Fat Kooji featuring, um, God damn it, Sad Rich and uh, Ricochet Rich and um, God Grinds called Lean. Check okay. that out on YouTube, you guys. Um, God, God damn, I wasn't even expecting him to direct this video. Coogee mm -hmm. had one too many drinks. Howie, I need you to take over. Mm -hmm. The cameraman said, I got two hours. My wife need me to do X, Y, Z. I'm like, what? Right. <laughs> Man, put that video together in two hours. And I'm talking about, you, that was one of the most stressful, stressful movie music videos I've ever done. But it came out pretty decent um for a two hour shoot but it was very very stressful very hard to do and i and i don't think i've ever want to do that again right, right. but um me personally i like to have the freedom of being able to shoot a video and not worry about time right take your time with it yeah yeah and um but the one thing i learned the diff the key difference with music video and um film for scripting, um, I had to learn that um, it seemed like um, t 
time moves way slower when filming. Mm -hmm. Something that may take eight hours to film will come off as a six minutes right once yeah. it's edited yeah it's like what the hell yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it is it, 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 it could be it could be a little um nerve-wracking right when it comes yeah. to that part but the one beautiful thing i love the fact that i started off in music was the fact that when it came down to adding score and having soundtrack and uh, me knowing a lot of the DMV artists and the DMV and all that stuff and building that way, I have a beautiful soundtrack. I have a beautiful, um, even from the trailer, shouts out to DZ Boss, um, AKA M Primus Beats for the music that's in the uh, trailer. Okay. He did that from scratch, you know, um, wasn't no, um, studio made beat where we we just snatched it he made that beat from scratch the drums everything so um that that really helped with um the sound quality the the whole it, it makes the story goes a lot smoother Definitely. the music the music is there um prime example if you seen mcgraw avenue um made by murder pain um it's on um prime video uh a, a lot of a lot of his um movie or show was um it really didn't have any score to it okay. it was just a lot of dialogue or whatever like yeah, that and you, and you notice yeah. that emptiness like you don't even yeah, a lot yeah, of times yeah. if the score is done right you don't even really notice the music but it feels a lot of empty space but when it's not there it's uh yeah you notice it it's like this what's going on why it's so quiet you know <laughs> and, and that's one of the reasons why um low budget films have issues because of um lighting scoring certain ways camera angles stuff like that um a lot of those issues um come to play um like i say with, even with rise of the go to goons um when we first initially started i planned on putting it as like a, a web series on youtube you know um but um again like i say it it um it's bigger than me because right after talking to shorte about doing it or whatever we researched the the cameras that are netflix approved mm -hmm. and and the camera that shorte was upgrading to was the one of the cameras that um netflix approved okay. and it was like man so like he bought that camera and it was like, yo, this this can't just be a YouTube thing anymore. You know yeah, what I mean? We yeah, gotta, yeah, we I got gotta push. Yeah, yeah. Like um the camera he got is a 6K resolution camera. Mm. You know, and um he he actually um about to buy a twin. So oh. we're gonna have two of them. He already had the GH5s mm. or whatever, which is a, a 4K camera 4K, in, yeah. in his own right. But his GH5 wasn't Netflix to prove yet. Right, so right. he he upgraded to the S1H, which 6K. is a 6K. Yeah. And um, so and it shoots raw. So when that happened, it was like, yo, we, 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 well, I'm finally ahead of the curve. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, and you can tell we're looking at it, you can tell the the, the quality is, and that, like you said, that's one of the issues a lot of the low budget. Joints have. I was talking to a um, 
a friend of mine, actually a young lady, uh, I had done a web series uh, called East Coast Grow, and it was mm -hmm. it was done really well. And I was talking about how you know um, I don't, it wasn't shopped as well as it should have been because a lot of stuff that you see doesn't look as good. We were joking back and forth about how some of the stuff looked like they shot it with like a Game Boy. But uh, you mm. know, but uh, but I mean, I'm not knocking over. You know, everybody, you do do the level that you can make it because obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. somehow. But uh, but but yeah. So that quality act does add a lot of credence. So even if you do wind up putting it on YouTube or whatever, you just the quality alone gets you views. Like people want to see it because it looks good. And and from yeah. the trailer that I saw, it looks good, man. Y'all did a great job with it. With uh you know, with the quality of, of video, like you said, that 6K camera definitely adds, uh, you know, uh, a, a level of quality that a lot of people don't have. So it's dope. Yeah, because believe it or not, and it's, it, it's kind of like a slight to me because I really feel like I've earned the right to to be held at a certain um, regard when it comes to my work. Mm. But a lot of people, when they seen the trailer or whatever the first thing and i guess they call themselves giving me a compliment but i take it i take it offensive a little bit because they be like um dang this is actually look better than i thought you was about to show me some old bootleg something <laughs> you know what i mean and i'm like yeah, yeah. in my in my in my defense, I'm like, why would you think that I'm? Who you think you're talking to, right? <laughs> right, right, right. I'm like, damn, that's that's how, that's how you view me. That's all right. That's, you know that's I mean? all right. You got. I've heard that in the music field too. You yeah, know, like exactly. say here, play you play a track for me. I'm like, this not this not half bad. You right, know, right. I'm like, why do why would you think that I would do that? Like, why would you think I'm gonna play you? A, a track that sound like it's on a cassette tape. Like, right, right, what's right. Going on? Like, why in their defense, you hear, I know you've been, you know, uh, having a label, you've heard a lot of stuff where people don't, they don't get the mixes done and everything. Yeah. And like I said, work at the level you at, but when you're ready to present your stuff, you want a certain level of quality. And I was just saying, man, don't even sweat it because you showing them the level of quality. So when they see your stuff, they're going to know, yeah, you know, that it's at a certain level. Yeah, what was you going to say, Timon? Yeah, so, um, I, I, earlier I was pulling up some lyrics um, about that, like um, people literally don't expect you to do much, and it's sad. Mm -hmm. um, especially in your own hometown, they just expect you to do like the norm. And so, like, it's this, um, this these lyrics from Thumbos. They want to see me fail, love to love to see me down, try to kick me out, but still I rise. Mm -hmm. No matter how much they doubt us, no matter how much they try to stop us. Ain't no stopping me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. 100%, man. That's dope. Like, I'm just like that. I get a lot of inspiration from music. And sometimes it could be like the the most abstract song, but you hear something in it that speaks to your situation. And yeah, mm -hmm. so I hold that, man. That's the inspiration. That stuff that gets you through, you know, uh, anything you're going through. Uh, I just want real quick, I got a, a text from uh, Patrice. She said her phone died. I always press her about charging the phone, so she's getting it recharged to get back in with it. Uh, but uh, she said she's sorry she was loving the interview uh, also. Okay. But uh, but yeah, so she should be back in, uh, hopefully. But actually, uh, it's almost time for us to wrap it up. I got a couple of questions that I always ask, and I'm going to um, uh, ask you uh, uh, these, Howie. Uh, so if you had a chance, and it's interesting that I'm going to ask this question because you kind of already have this built in, but I always say, if you could go back in the time machine and talk to a younger version of yourself. But I do want to uh, hear specifically what you, just because of what you said earlier about 
that situation where you felt like, you know, you weren't going to make it and things like that. So everything you've been through now up until this point, all the success that you had with music, all that we've doing this film and just in life, having kids, be, becoming the man that you are. If you could go back and talk to that dude who was in that space feeling like it wasn't no hope, you know what I'm saying? What would you say to him? It's weird, man, because all I went through built me to who I am now. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, damn, what would have happened if I had changed that mindset back then? Like, mm. if I was to go back and change that mindset, would I still have the drive and the and the um motivation to do better now, or would I have already been? I I, I don't know. It, that's a tricky question because my past definitely fueled my present. Mm-hmm. My past definitely fueled that. Like even in writing Rise of the Go to Goons, um, if I didn't have the hood mentality and the 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 actual proof of growing up in the hood and being seventeen and and seeing people get beat up and killed and and drugs being moved and people not really having the true knowledge of that because that's one of the things that i i really really stressed in rise of the golden goals um even though it's a fictional story i i kept it as true to washington dc maryland and virginia as possible i really i really wanted um rise of the golden goons to stand out as as like something that was like compton movie or a New York movie, or or an Atlanta movie, you know, all these places that we've seen movies from that that set the bar for them, them states and cities. I wanted Washington, D.C. I always felt like a lot of the movies that were done here really, really, really didn't capture the essence of what it is to grow up in, in the DMV. Only one that I can really say that I really enjoyed, and that was Streetwise. Oh, that okay. came out back in the day that had yeah, um, Taraji P. Henson in it or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, that was I a really- I haven't seen that, I'm gonna have to check it out. It's on YouTube, actually. If you look okay. it up, it's on YouTube. You can watch it for free. Um, oh, called Street, cool. It's called Streetwise. And um, that movie, you know, kind of really grasped a lot of the DMV, but it was, it was, it was, you know, back it, it was, I think they filmed that back in the 90s. So, you know, a lot of it wasn't the the quality wasn't the greatest, but the story, that that's the that was the key thing that that made that stood out to me. Yeah. But um, yeah, if I had to go back and talk to the older me, only thing I probably would tell the younger me is to um, be a little bit more patient. Hmm. I think I think um, I've rushed into a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, I think I didn't understand um, that life 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 is a journey mm-hmm. as much as I do now. Um, but I, I really don't know. You know, like. I don't know if I would want to mess with the younger me because yeah, yeah. I don't know if it would have changed who I am now. Right. I don't know if I would have been able to give my kids the life lessons that I give them now. You know, so I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's, a and I, and I, 
couple of people answer like that and say, you know, that they wouldn't change anything. Because just like you said, it's all the stuff that you've been through that brought you to this point to be who you are. So, you know, I've had a few people say that, you know, some people, you know, tweak things here and there, but that's mostly what you hear. And so in that same vein, um, that type of stuff, it's obvious that you already, you know, pour that type of encouragement and, and, and drive into your sons just, just by saying, you know, your son's demeanor. Uh, Timon seemed like a dope, uh, dope young man. So it, it's it's really cool to see that, man. But uh, I mean, I mean, you've already spoke on it a little bit, but what kind of stuff do you give them like on a daily basis? Like what kind of talk do y'all have about, you know, not just the industry, but life as a whole? Like what's the main thing you want, want him to know about life and, 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 you know, becoming a man? Don't be silly, rap your willy. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 don't, hey, that's, it, it sounds funny. But uh, a lot of people, they look, man, we, we know it's a, a lot, lot of people being silly. It. Right, exactly, exactly. And it's making them illy. So, yeah. yeah. What, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. That's, like that's some real advice right there, bro. Look, save my life a, a bunch of times. Anyway, we ain't going to get into that. But, <laughs> but, yeah, what kind of stuff do you, you know, want to make sure he know? Um, Like I say, the main thing I stress to them is uh, being knowledgeable. You know, beyond beyond what they teach you in school, um, being your own man, you know, um, standing up for what you believe in and not being too fucking arrogant or too blind mm -hmm. to to learn new things. You know, don't don't be don't don't be a, a know it all that don't know shit, okay. you know, stuff like that, like um I just I just want them to be the best men they can be and add to to the world and not be um, not be a hindrance to the world. Did you know the sky's blue, guys? Those type of people, you know, they they, they, they tell you something obvious. Hey, we gotta, we gotta get this dude on TV, man. ASAP. don't know what two plus two is, but the sky's blue. I know that, Paul. If you don't know sky's blue, something's hey, wrong. That's dope, man. We got, yeah, the, the character work is there, man. We got, yeah, it's keep grinding, man. That's dope, man. Hey, look, man, this has been one of the best interviews, you know, that I've had on here. Appreciate Thank you, man. I appreciate y'all, definitely. I'm so, glad you had me on, man. Definitely, I'm man. glad I could get neighborish. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and you got to come back, dude, you know, uh, once everything is out there to promote and make sure we know. So with that being said, I'm gonna start with the music because you got a lot of stuff out there. Where can everybody find the, the music? HMG. Where can they find the music and then talk about oh, when the movie come out <laughs> and where they can find that too? So go ahead. Well, shoot, we got 11 years of uh, music, man. Um, from Spotify to um, that piff, um, just basically anything for the truth. Um, HMG Global. Um, you can check those things out far as um far as mixtapes and um con con ugh, collaborative project. Yeah, yeah. Um YouTube, we're all over the place. Um right. individual artists. Um you can um Google how we do little. Um you can go on YouTube again. Like I say, you look up for the truth, the number four TH8 truth. You can look up HMG Global, um, individual artists, Fat Coogee, um, DZ Boss, Harold Wayne, 
um, Big Smooth the General, my R&B artist, Leo the artist, Lady Love, um, Star B, Kissy Face, um, shoot, Miss um, Lori Love. Man, I got so many artists. Yeah, yeah, that's what I say. I know you got a lot of work. But, um, out here, but right now, but right now, um, just released um, two artists, two two artists right now. Um, DZ Boz and Hero Wayne just released Symmetry. And that's on all um, streaming platforms, Spotify, Tidal, um, iTunes, all that. It's called Symmetry. Extremely dope um, project. Uh, Lady Love is um, featured on there um, as well. Um, she also just released a, pro a single by the name of um, Love on a Cloud, um, written um, by me, um, the hook and couple little things that I wrote on that song as well. Um, we also have D-Light, D-L-Y-G-H-T. He just released a prom single not too long ago. That's on YouTube called um, Night Started. Um, like I say, um, I got a multitude of artists right. from hip hop to R&B. There, um, Hera Wayne and um, Smokey the Kid just released, thank you, Timo. Um, for a single by the name of Tender God. Music video is out um, right now doing numbers. Um, the music scene is still going. Um, that's what I like about you, man. That's crazy how, you know, uh, you got this whole, um, and I keep saying a movie, but it, the, you got this whole series project, but you're not even slowing down with the music neither. You're still hitting them every which way, man. That, that's crazy. That's crazy. Man. I'm, I mean, as long as I got breath in my body, and um, artists that's determined, um, ain't no stopping us. Ain't no stopping us. Uh, we're gonna continue to grind. And the music and the and the and the, and the filming go hand in hand, man. Like I say, um, with um, soundtracks, um, with everything, it all all kind of comes together, in one way, shape, or form. From music videos all the way to the music, it's all one big one big ball of happiness. <laughs> I guess. Right. But, so with the movie, so I mean, I keep doing it. With the series, I'm gonna get it together. Look, I'm gonna edit it where every time I say it, I'm gonna just put series. No, 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 wrong. don't get me wrong. <laughs> I do have a few movies coming. Right. I have, I like I said, I got the horror movies. I got love story movies. Um, I got uh, a horror called Water um, starring Cyrus the Virus coming out. Um, I got a love story about a gold digging um, fiance and her, her her um newly lost job um fiance um i got a i got a couple comedies coming out i got sitcoms coming out on youtube um so got a little bit of everything all right so i'm about to spoil your water for y'all right so have you ever seen the movie um what's that drink called with a dude he was invincible but if he drank water or something like that he died oh yeah unbreakable that's exactly how that story is. The world is flooded. Um, they going from <laughs> island. They going from island. If you touch water, it's like a like a um like you immediately die. Like you can't even drink water. Like the things they have to do to continue to survive is crazy. That's that's wild though. I mean that that's if that's not it. That sounds like an interesting joint though. But uh. <laughs> 
But yeah, man. So uh, as for Rise of the Golden Goon, though, do you have like a tentative date when y'all think it'll be ready? Um, no. I know. I know <laughs> nah, that that uh, that editing um, process is crazy, though, right? Um, nah. Um, Shorte told me he should be done editing um like March, April. Oh, right. And um, so like I said, we're looking at um, late May, June, for his release. Okay. Um, what I plan on doing, and and you're invited, um, free of charge. Um, I want to um, rent out a movie theater when everything is ready, mm-hmm. and um, I'm gonna have uh, um, the cast and everybody come out and um, watch the um, watch the film at the movie theater. Yeah. Um, a couple of episodes. I might not do the whole season. Yeah. Um, may do like maybe the first four episodes just to give a give people an idea where we're going with this story. Um, yeah. um, um when it when everything is ready, um, and um, I just encourage people to really go on right now that have really helped me is go on YouTube and subscribe to the channel. Um, Go Global Square Productions um, is my production company name. Um, okay. But you can just look up Rise of Go to Goons and it'll come up. Come and um, you can just subscribe on there for me. I need a thousand subscriptions um, or more. You know, more is better. Right, definitely. But, um, my goal is a thousand right now. And, um, the the numbers are looking really good just for the one trailer that we do have up there. Um, but um, we definitely need more subscribers. I need the more the more views, the more subscribers, the more um, chances that this show will go global. Yeah. You know, I need, I need, I need, I need you guys. Like I said, it's bigger than me. Um, it's a representation of the DMV. But trust and believe, as the show go on, I will be going from city to city, state to state, because. Um, as the character grows, he gets he he grows bigger. He he actually becomes international. So mm-hmm. you know, I'm uh, I had no problem go- driving to West Virginia, North Carolina um, during the pandemic. We, I went a lot of places to get um, shots done, yeah. not just in the immediate area of the DMV. So um, just know that. Um, we will be coming to a city near you, um, Houston, um, San Antonio, uh, Atlanta, California, you name it, wherever city, Detroit, um, you know, shout out to all of the United States of America. Um, if I, if I can get there, I'm going to come Canada shouts out to you guys as well. You know, um, Africa, Europe, wherever, you know, I want to be able to, come to your city and film and you know get give everybody a chance if you if you if you got goal oriented and you serious about being great I'm I'm all about working with you that's a bet man like I said man this has been awesome man I see, I see big things like I said man like knowing from where we came from and seeing the levels that you reaching is so inspirational and not just that, but saying that you uh, making sure that it's something that's generational, that you uh, exposing, you know what I'm saying, your sons to this, even if it's something that they don't, you know, move forward with just having that exposure and setting them up to, you know, be 
uh, moguls. This is on some, you know, Master P type stuff or, you know, different people like that. But but really, it's on some Aaron Lawson type stuff because you always been that dude, man. I appreciate hey. you so much. Hey, Timon, man, I see big things for you, brother. Keep grinding, stay hey. focused, keep that energy. That's, you know, uh, it's, it's amazing. It's bright. It shines bright even through, you know, the screen, man. So that's dope. I think they're going to see some great stuff from you and uh, Rise of the Golden Goon, man. Everybody, like you said, go out and subscribe, man. Go out and check it out. All four of our viewers. No, nah, I'm just playing. Well, everybody who's checking this out, man, go 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 subscribe to them. They need that help. They need that support. And, man, we're just going to keep watching this and see what you do, man. It's going to be so interesting. Also, go on um, Instagram, if you're on Instagram, Rise of the Golden Goons. Um, if you want to see any of the cast members or see any behind-the-scene footage, just go on I IG, look up Rise of the Golden Goons, follow Rise of the Golden Goons, and, uh, and look at um, a lot of the cast members, a lot of the behind-the-scenes is on there. Um, just enlighten yourself and learn a little bit more of what's to come. That's dope, man. Yeah, I, I saw the video, man. It's dope. The little, you know, how you did everybody, you know, uh, uh, introducing themselves and things like that. I feel like, you know, it's like uh, how uh, any of the major shows started out, you know, just introducing everybody. It felt, you know, big. It feels real, man. So that, that's dope, man. You starting out amazing. And I can't wait to see where you finish, brother. With that being said, man, I want to thank everybody for rocking with us today on the Neighborish Livecast. On behalf of myself, Patrice, who uh, phoned that, but uh, <laughs> and my brother, Aaron Lawson, a.k.a. How We Do Little, a.k.a. one of the hardest working brothers in the DMV. Man, great things coming. Sure. Yeah, y'all have a great one. Take you one of, because I am the hardest working, yeah. <laughs> Timon is the hardest working. And shout out to Timon, you know, for, for coming in, bringing the comedy, bringing that personality. We see big things for him, man. But yeah, thank you guys for checking us out this week, man. Y'all have a great week. Take care of yourselves and each other and keep grinding. Peace. All right. Peace. Salute. Bye, y'all.